Welcome to the Go Hard Chick Podcast. I am your host, Crystal Holmes. And today in episode 10, I am joined by sexologist, sex coach, speaker, and author, Marla Renee Stewart. You may remember Marla from Killer Mike's Trigger Warning and Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Now go hard chicks, this episode is not safe for work or for our little one's ears. So if you are a mama like me that likes to listen to podcasts while driving with the kids in the backseat, this episode is not the one. Now, this does not mean that I do not want you to listen. Our sex lives are part of our wellness journey and this episode is important if you wish to improve your sex life or if you simply want to learn how a sexologist can benefit you and your partner. So go hard chicks, sit down, relax, and welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast. Go hard chick, Marla Renee Stewart. Welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast, Marla. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled that you are here today. This is a topic that, well, that I love personally, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm sure the listeners are going to learn a lot and and so will I. Um, Let's jump right in. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, I am a sexologist, a sex coach and sex educator, speaker, author, all of the things. And I own a sexuality education company called Velvet Lips, where I help people build up their sexual confidence, enhance their communication and sex skills. And uh, I do workshops and uh, private coaching. And I also uh, co-founded the Sex Down South Conference with my business partner, Tia. And that is a sex and sexuality conference in Atlanta every year. We're going into our sixth year this year. And it's the same thing, sort of what I do. So it's, uh, of course, lots of workshops during the day. And then we have fun and party at night. So it's a really, it's a really great time. Very, very inclusive. Um, all sorts of people are welcome at Sex Down South. And then we, uh, um, then we also started a nonprofit. So we're we're still on the little bandwagon with that. But it's called Slay Sexual Liberation Art and Education. And so we're we're finalizing the details on that and putting together some events that are happening later on, hopefully this year. And then I also teach at Clayton State University, which is about 20 minutes south of downtown Atlanta. And there I'm in the Department of Interdisciplinary Studies, where I teach women's and gender studies and sociology, um, two classes a semester, and it's all done online. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So just so if people don't know, (laughs) what exactly is a sexologist? What do you do? A sexologist is actually someone who studies sex. So just like if you think about any kind of uh, other ology, right? Psychology study of the mind or sociology study of um, uh, groups, right? It uh, Or society. We could simply say sexology is a study of sex. And so I have done, you know, sex research. Uh, actually, most of my research that I've done is sex research. And there's, you know, there's folks who are, you know, sexologists, there's folks who are clinical sexologists. It just really just depends on what your area of expertise and your areas of research are. Okay, great. So what, 
what do you do or, or what kind of education does your company or do you provide for individuals? So I provide, of course, personalized coaching services. So people usually, they usually follow me for a very long time for whatever reason. I know, you know, sex is one of those things that people are, are kind of scared to engage with engage with somebody from outside of the relationship with. So people usually watch me for a, a bit before actually um, coming to see me, but I do individual coaching. So I make sure that people, we do an initial assessment and I make sure that I, I come up with a session option list so people can see, you know, what we do. I'm very goal oriented in my work. I, I'm not like a therapist who wants you to come see them like every day for years. I kind of like want to arm you with the tools that you need and then hopefully you'll be able to use them. And so I do the coaching. I also offer workshops. So for right now, I've been offering a lot of workshops via Eventbrite. So that has been happening. Um, I also, if you want to do a private workshop, so you don't want to do that in a group environment, you can do that. Uh, you can hire me for private coaching um, for those workshops, as well as um, I have some workshops that are easily downloadable. So if you just want to say like, hey, I don't need you <laughs> here. I, I want to download my own workshop. You can also do that as well. Well, do you work with couples as well? Of course. I work with everybody. I work with individuals, singles. I, I work with couples. I work with people who are polyamorous, not monogamous. I work with um, all sorts of people. So, you know, I, I don't really, uh, I haven't limited myself on who I see. If there's someone that is not a good fit, I'll probably refer them to someone else. Uh, but for the most part, I, I try to um, make sure that I can give anybody the information that they need. Got it. Got it. So if one, if one were to come to you, maybe for an individual session, what does a session with you look like? What, what are the things you're doing or talking about? What is involved? Well, I think it all depends on the session, right? So sometimes I have couples often, let me say, often I have couples who, um, you know, maybe the woman isn't having any orgasms. And they're trying to figure out how to get her to have more orgasms or what kind of blockages there were. Or maybe there's some sexual confidence issues that are happening. So there's a lots of different things. It's not just sort of one thing. <laughs> Usually it's like a multitude of things. And a, a lot of it is around communication. So most of the time when I'm seeing clients, it is about communication, what they are, what they are or are not communicating. And then how can that, how that a communication is actually affecting your sex life. And then of course they get better at it. So to use seductive skills, you know, their foreplay skills, uh, you know, the different techniques and strategies that they can use every day in everyday life to ensure that they can keep up with the romanticism and the, the variability in their, in their sexual experiences. Wow. I mean, we often hear that, you know, communication is key in any relationship, but I don't know that at least, I guess I just did make the connection in my mind of, about how important that is in your sex life too. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if you can't communicate about what you want, guess what? You're not going to get what you want. <laughs> and if you don't get what you want, then you might not be able to, uh, you might start, you know, resenting your partner for, for things. So I think it's very, very important to communicate what you want and what you need in your sexual relationship. Okay. So other than communication, are there any other, I guess, 
common issues or problems you tend to see in your practice? Yeah, people lack sex skills. A lot of times people, you know, a lot of times people just think, oh, I'm really good at whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, no, you're not. You're actually not that good because you know what? Your wife told me you're not that good. And so I think what tends to, like, for instance, I had a workshop and this was in Atlanta and, you know, um, a woman, she was like, okay, I'm going to bring my husband, you know, he's you know, we've been together for 10 years and he's still, he's not that good at oral sex. And I'm like, 10 years, Lord Jesus. And so she's just like, oh, you know, he's not that good. So I want him to come to this workshop and, um, you know, let him like, you know, I want to, I want to learn because she was also bisexual and they had an open relationship. And she was like, but I also want him to learn, right? Like I want to be able to have sex with him and know that my needs are going to get met or that I'm going to be able to have an orgasm. And, you know, he came to the workshop and he was just like, "Mm." he was just not interested in anything I had to say. And, uh, and later on after the workshop, I was just sort of like, Hey, you know, like, you know, it seemed like you were a little uh, combative, during the workshop, you know, is there, you know, can I help you with something or is there, you know, is there something you want to talk about? And he's just like, well, there's nothing a woman can tell me about like eating pussy, you know? And I was just like, whoa there. So clearly he never improved. Uh, So needless to say that relationship I think is over, but um, yeah, there are some people who really think they know what they're doing and in reality, they, they don't. They, they don't know what they're doing. So that's a problem. Well, I guess if people are going to come to you, they got to be open and receptive to. For sure. Because that, that's a hard yeah. thing to say, like, especially if you've been with your partner for a long time and you could just be like, well, actually, you're not that good at this. Right. Like we need to work on this. And there are some couples who are great and can tell each other that. But it's very hard for couples to to, um, you know, tell each other like, hey, you're not that great at this thing that you thought you were good at. I was faking it or I was, you know, not pleased. <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I've done that. Yep. <laughs> I, mean, I hope my current boyfriend, not you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So what kind of advice do you have for for maybe an individual who maybe was sexually active in the past, but for some reason they chose to, you know, not be so sexually active and they want to get back in the game. What, what advice do you have? Well, you know, for folks who are like sexually active and then like, because I mean, we all go through like, you know, we, we all ebb and flow with whatever's happening in our life. And so I think that's also important to know that like our desire can go up or down or, you know, all around, it can go, go anywhere. And so for folks who are really thinking about their sexual life and thinking about like, hey, I was really sexually active before I was this way that way and I want to get back into doing that well number one is going to take practice and you got to be willing and open to be ready because sometimes you know as we age we tend to get a little bit more conservative or we tend to think we, we know what we like and you know there's all sorts of things that we are thinking about that um, are affecting us so I think it's just really important to be open and willing to actually practice and go out there and do it. 
And yeah, there's, there's no other way to say it. except go and do it. Practice, practice, practice makes perfect, you know? Right. Well, what if someone is like recovering from a sex related type of trauma or something, but they want to get back in, but that whatever happened to them is really, you know, prohibiting them mentally from jumping back in. So I think it all depends. Like if you are with someone, so I've worked with people who are, you know, in a couple or in a relationship and, you know, the people who we choose in our lives are generally people who can help to heal us. Um, if we've picked wisely, let me say that if we've picked wisely. And so if you're, you know, lover is willing to, to help you in that journey, I think that's going to be all the more valuable. However, if you are, you know, individual or by, you know, if you're by yourself and you're trying to do the work, I highly suggest, you know, going to a therapist, figuring out all the different things you can do, specifically going to a sex therapist who might be familiar with the kind of trauma that you um, experience, and then making sure that therapist actually has strategies into helping you. What I find, particularly in my work, because it's an integrative strategy, because my, my work is a combination of like sex therapy, somatic therapy, and comprehensive sex ed, I actually help people practice to sit here and talk to me the whole time and like have me, you know, paint my nails or whatever else, you know, it's like, I really want you to practice. So I get with my couples and or my individuals and I say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Practice this right now, right here. This is what we're doing. And that helps people actually to realize who they become and how they can do things. It's, it's very similar to like, you know, people who are like, oh, I don't know how to dirty talk. And then they take my dirty talk workshop and I'm like, oh, you knew how to dirty talk. You just haven't done it, right? You just haven't actually made the effort to practice it. And so um, so it's just one of those things. It's just, you know, uh, practice along with talk. I think it's sort of like theory and practice go together and they have to go together in order for you to achieve the results that you want in your sexual life. Okay. All right, Marla. So we're... I mean, someone comes to you, they're getting some hands-on training or experience, if you will, with their partners. Mm -hmm. How do they usually deal with that? Are they open to that? Is that uncomfortable for them? (laughs) Yeah, some couples are very open, right? Some couples are like, well, shit, we haven't been, it hasn't been working before, right? Like whatever we've been doing hasn't been working. So let's go ahead and try this thing. There are some couples that are definitely shy that are like, oh, you know, I'm self-conscious about my body. And I'm like, I am not here for that. I'm here to help you. So however, you know, you want to address your, your your body confidence issues, we can address those separately or we can address those through affirmations or whatnot. Like I am here to help you give you the things that you need. So, um, so some people are shy, which is totally okay. And some people are very open. And for the most part, I tell people, you know, keep an open mind, you know, the, the things that you've been doing haven't been working before. So try my method. And if it still doesn't work, then, Hey, we can try something different, but you know, you haven't, you're not going to get this type of work with an ordinary sex therapist. So Marla, I mean, how did you get started in this? How did you get involved in this line of work? (laughs) Very different. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, in college, I had lots of friends who, you know, I was studying human sexuality in college, but 
I had lots of friends who would just come to me for sex advice, you know, and I was just like, hmm, this must be my calling, right? Because all of my friends were just like, how do I do this? And how do I, and how do I talk to my boyfriend about this? And how do I like, I guess everything that I did, it made it, it, it made it look, I think I made things look easy for people. And then people wanted to know how I had those conversations, you know, with my lovers and whatnot. So I, uh, so it kind of, it, 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 that was the seed, right? I guess that was planted the seeds that were planted. And I, I, I really wanted to help, you know, my, my friends were having orgasms and I was just like, Hey, you know, we need to have orgasms. And just thinking about like the orgasm gap in general, you know, with women, uh, um, heterosexual and bisexual women in particular, just aren't having the orgasms that they need um, or that they want, I should say. Uh, yes, yes. And they need, they totally need those orgasms. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, while I was in grad school, uh, one of my best friends was just like, hey, you should just start your business. You know, it's going to be a while before it kind of takes off. You should do it in grad school. And so that's exactly what I did. So I held safer sex workshops at different universities and realized like, I love doing these workshops. And also I think I want to help individual people too. Like I really want to help people um, figure out what they want, figure out what they need to do. And, you know, people are private about their sex lives. So I think the the strategies that I use are just helpful for people to, to, to realize that they can get what they need from a professional, you know, without, without the stigma or shame that they think might be attached to it. Yeah. And, and what you just said, I mean, just really I mean, struck me, women, we aren't really getting the orgasms that we want or need. Mm -hmm. And I think we tend to be quiet about that and accept it as normal. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's been normalized, right? Like how many, how many times do you see in the media where women are having orgasms, right? Like not very often you see them laying there, you see them, you know, just kind of like hanging out, but you know, every once in a while you might get a a show that shows women's orgasms, but I mean, yeah, it's very few and far between, but yeah, it is, there's just, uh, it, it has been normalized that, you know, folks aren't, you know, orgasms aren't a priority. And because people think orgasms come from penetration, which very rarely they do, I think that is a problem. Like people think, oh, well, penetration is supposed to elicit an orgasm. No, boo, no, boo, no, it doesn't. That doesn't have to necessarily elicit an orgasm. And so that is where the problem lies. It's just maybe just some misinformation, probably by, you know, the, 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 Freud and all of uh, his doings, um, you know, telling folks that they need to have penetrative orgasms in order for it to be a mature orgasm. But in reality, that's not the case. So if we think about the penis being synonymous with the clitoris, which, you know, there are differences, but uh, we can, we already know that, hey, the, the vagina is not an inside out penis. The clitoris is synonymous with the penis. <laughs> so therefore the vagina has no nerve endings. So we need to understand that. We need to understand anatomy in general and how it works. 
Oh, wow. I, I didn't understand that. That's enlightening for me. And I think another thing is, I don't know what your thoughts are. I think some women fear being uh, labeled or, or as being, I, I mean, I'll just say it like a hoe. If you want, if you enjoy sex and you want your orgasm and you want to have fun with it. So we remain silent if we're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that just seems so terrible to me to think about like, who cares if you're labeled as a hoe, whatever. I was a hoe. Guess what? My sex skills are amazing. You know, like, (laughs) I think, you know, like, to think about like why why that is a bad thing, why experience, sexual experience is bad, that does not even that doesn't even make sense to me because think about it. With every other thing that you do in your life, you have to practice, you have to study, you have to have the experience to be good at it. So what makes you think that if you haven't had that experience and haven't done those things? that you would be good at it. Right. So sex is just the same. You need to have experience and practice in order to be good at it. So for someone shaming uh, someone about that, they could just have that argument. So ladies, you just got to be free with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Know what you want though. Cause some people just don't know what they want. You know, especially women. I I see so many women that are just like, Oh my, you know, Um, I don't know what I desire. I don't even know what I like or what I want. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was on Craigslist like, hey, I want my pussy. Who's going to do it for me? You know, like you need to be able to voice what you want. And that's the way to get what you want. So and I think that's with all things in life, actually. Well, yeah. And I think that goes back to the fear. Like how... they're afraid they maybe they don't know what they want, but or maybe they do. And they're just afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it goes back to that communication piece and not being able to speak up. And, you know, maybe they were socialized like women shouldn't be talking or whatever. Maybe they grew up religious. I have a lot of uh, clients who have some religious trauma whose voices were silenced uh, because of their religion. So, I mean, it, it just all depends on their, you know, socialization and their experience in life. Yeah, religion. That's another that's a big one. Mm hmm. So how do you, where do you draw your inspirations from in this work? (laughs) People, (laughs) people are fascinating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like everybody has a different story. It's really incredible. Like even though we share common experiences and affinities, like everybody's story is different. And for me, that is fascinating because I love people and I love their stories and I love being able to like tap in to like all the things about them. So um, yeah, people are my inspiration. We're absolutely fascinating creatures. And I think it's important that we um, understand that we are all different. And yes, we have things that are the same, but those are the things that can help us stay connected. But our experiences are the things that draw us in. Wow, Marla, that's exactly why I enjoy doing this podcast is because I just love listening to stories from the guests and learning so much. And just that that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. That's in common. Okay, so as a sexologist and educator, 
I, I know you've seen and heard many things. What do you consider the most common sex-related apprehension, if you will? Hmm. I would say the most common sex-related apprehension is critiquing their lover about something. People don't want to speak up if their lover is doing something that they don't like. Um, yeah, I think that is probably one of the, the most important things. Like, um, you know, I have some clients, um, they're really cute, really great. But uh, actually a few, a few of my clients, I have a few, um, you know, what I would call bossy, right? Bossy clients. Um, I love the word bossy. I don't think it's a negative term. And uh, so they are very direct in how they speak. And sometimes that can be a turnoff um, for men in particular. And so I help them teach how to use their voice and how to use um, the, uh, what do you call it, positive um not positive affirmations, but um, positive reinforcement to help them realize like, hey, to this is how you get what you want. Like yelling or screaming or like the way you're direct is not going to not going to not going to get you what you want. So are they bossy? Do you mean in the bedroom or just just all the time? The yeah, room? all the time in the bedroom, out the bedroom. It don't matter. I might need to take your class. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it too, because I'm a very bossy and direct person. So I, so, you know, I totally get it. And like, that is, you know, that's why I do what I do. Yeah. I, I'm criticized for being bossy and not being, what does he say? Graceful, tactful. Mm -hmm. like, I'm not soft enough. Um, he jokes and says, he's not joking. Am, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he says that I'm the man of the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I could see that being a problem in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's only a problem if he identifies it as a problem, right? Like if he feels right. like it's going to, if he's going to be resentful later about it, then yeah. But if y'all are both you know, alpha types, right? Then there's ways to negotiate, you know, who is going to be the boss of what at what time, right? So I think that is also important to say like, hey, you don't necessarily have to let go of that bossiness, but you do have to negotiate who's bossy when in your relationship. Got it, got it. So let's just, in your professional opinion, why do you think these sex-related discussions, particularly here in the South, because we're in Atlanta, are still deemed so taboo? Religion. Gosh, religion is so... It's interesting because I feel like a lot of it has been changing, especially with a lot of the religious leaders who have been in trouble. Um, so I feel like there is some a little bit of change that might be happening there, but... Um, for the most part, you know, being in the South, being in the Bible Belt, that can really um, be daunting um, for folks who, you know, have come from backgrounds who have chastised them or um, made them believe in certain things. I remember someone came up to me and was just like, 
do you believe in soul ties? And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe in soul ties. I get why you asked that question because in in Christianity, they teach you this thing like everybody that you have sex with, you are tied to for the rest of your life. And I was like, and I am someone who can tell you that's a lie, right? I am not tied to all the people that I've slept with. I guarantee you. And, um, and I think that is important to to alt to give people an alternative reality of what that looks like. So, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I really hate that. I see these memes, you know, about this soul tie stuff, and that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm so glad you don't agree with it. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, oh, you know, don't sleep with anyone before marriage. And then you're going to be a lousy lay. Who wants to do that? You know, like, boo. I mean, let me, let me say this, actually. You know what? That's not necessarily true. Um, what's more important is if you're open and if, the, if that's what you want to do, if, you know, um, if, if you not wanting to have sex with anybody else before marriage, more props to you. Do what you desire and what you want and how you feel. I think that is very, very important. Um, I just think that we, if we let ourselves get tied up into doing things for others and, and not for ourselves. So, for instance, if that is for yourself, that you're like, I want to do this because it's for me, great. If you're doing it because, you know, the Bible said so or because, you know, your parents will disown you or whatever the case may be. I think outside pressure is going to uh, stunt you in your growth, uh, you know, in your growth overall, because you really are only shaping your thoughts based on someone else. Yes. Yes. I mean, that you just said a whole word, (laughs) especially with those that soul tie thing. Every time I see somebody mention that, it just makes me cringe because it makes you, if you accept that is true, it makes you feel bad about yourself Mm -hmm. and you internalize maybe bad decisions with people you may have chosen in the past. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to just be hangers on in your, your life and in your spirit forever. And I just don't believe that to be true, but I'm sorry. I'm on my soapbox. No, no, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I think it should be said. I think more people need to speak up, you know, because a lot of us say silence. And as we say silent, as we know, silence is complicity and um, well, maybe not all silence is complicity, but a lot of silence is complicity. And so I think it's just very, very important to, um, you know, speak up. So let's talk about, you mentioned the Sex Down South conference. Let's talk about that. And you said you've done, you're in the sixth year of that conference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are in our sixth year. We just put out a community poll survey to see what people want, um, to see, you know, if we should go virtual or still keep it in, you know, in person. And, you know, with all these, everything up in the air, it's just, um, we're going to make a final decision by the end of this month. But um you know, a lot of our people want to hug each other and want to be around each other. And that is the nature of the conference. So I think it's just kind of hard right now with COVID-19 and uh, vaccination not being available yet. Yeah. So, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I think I need to attend one time. 
or more than once, maybe. Yeah, you have to because it's like a family reunion. You know, it's like it's like it, it, our conference grows about a hundred people each year, and that's because people go. Somebody like you goes, and they'll be like, "Oh my god, I had such an amazing time! I have to tell my friends." And then you tell your friends, and then they all come, and so it's like a family reunion plus those cousins that you haven't seen, right? Like, oh, okay. And it's just a really loving environment. It's a real awesome learning environment. And we have, you know, night entertainment. We have a big show, closing party. We have a dungeon. We have like a mix and mingle where you mix and mingle with the sex celebs. So it really is like a fun and inclusive environment, especially because we uplift you know, folks of color, queer and trans folks, disabled folks, sex workers, you know, folks who are generally who have been in the margins for so long. Yes. So what have some of the past themes of the conference been? Oh, gosh. Um, we've had, I think our very first conference was sacred sexuality. So thinking about how religion and sexuality or spirituality sort of coexist and what that looks like. Um Oh my gosh. I'm like, what have been our names? <laughs> uh, this year we have sex through the ages. Uh, I think last year was discarding our sexual scripts. Maybe uh, we think, it, we, I think one of them was maybe like, I, I can't even remember a person. I can't even remember. I would have to go back and look. <laughs> well, okay. Sex through the ages this year. Mm -hmm. How did you guys come to agree to that, to that, I guess, topic? Well, I think we really wanted to focus on like what would what is our sex life going to be like as we age or what has ha, what have been the changes that have been happening since you were, you know, a teenager to your 20s, to your 30s, to your 40s, to your 50s, to your 60s, you know, what what has changed in your life? How has your body changed? What are these things? How do these things shape your experiences? And I think it's just really really important to to note that like all these things shift and change and, and we want to reach out. We want this to be an intergenerational conversation. So I think that was the, the main point was that we really wanted to draw in folks from all ages. Okay. I, I love that idea because I'm probably on the older side of things. <laughs> and I, I would love to learn that history and, and basically just talk about how I've changed throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, you do, you do change. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Your body change. I always tell people, if you didn't like something 10 years ago, come back to it. You know, if you don't like something now, come back to it in 10 years. You know, like we all change. Our bodies change. Things differ. Yes. So what can what can people expect if they've never been to your Sex Down South conference? What can they expect if they if they go this year? Well, they can expect, you know, to learn, they can expect to practice what they learn. We have live demos so they can actually see. They can expect, they can expect really amazing presenters, really amazing performers. We always, you know, we do not like to have mediocre. We always say we want to have like the best of the best. And they can expect just top, you know, sex celebrities, you know, uh, folks in the industry who are doing amazing work. Okay, that's good. And should, is this for couples or can, is it more for individuals or does it matter? Um, it does not matter. Uh, a lot of our people are non-monogamous or polyamorous. You know, we've got a lot of kinksters. We got a lot of everybody. So lots of couples come, lots of singles come. 
Um, so when I say any and everybody, it's any and everybody. So there is no there's no shortage of someone who is probably like you. Okay. So when when will you do you guys know when this year's conference will be held? Yes, it's September 10th through the 12th. Um, yeah, and it will be held at the if it's in person, it will be held at the Sheraton Atlanta downtown. If not, it will be online. Okay. <laughs> but of course, that all depends. Yeah. Okay, listeners, you better look out for those tickets <laughs> coming up in September. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get them discounted tickets early now. Okay, now I just wanted to hear this, and maybe the listeners might want to hear that too. This is what I'm about to ask you. So bear with me. Uh, it's a personal question. What has been the kinkiest thing you've done? Hmm. I would say the kinkiest thing I've done. I mean, I've done a lot of kinky things. Let's say the most recent kinky thing I've done was a, I did a pussy torture uh, scene at Sex Down South last year in the dungeon where I um, got like clips and I got all sorts of things like a violent wand, which is like feeds electricity and, um, put it on this woman's vulva and then I got a string of lights and then I stapled her pussy lips together with a medical staple. Marla! Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> and that, was the kink, that was the latest kinkiest thing I've done, I believe. Well, was she okay? Oh yeah, 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 she was great. She was great. She must be a pro at that kind of thing. No, no, no. She was just like, I've, I've never done it, so I'm going to try it. And she did. And she was actually fine. She did good. We hugged it out afterwards. She was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Marla, thank you so much. This was super informative. No, thank you. I'm glad to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Now, if people want to learn more about you or want to contact you about your services, or maybe they want to know more about the Down South Conference or the Sex Down South Conference, sorry, how can they reach you? Well, you can go to my website, which is velvetlipssexed.com, or you can find me on social media at velvetlipssexed, except for there's no E in sex, so just S-X-E-D. And then you can go to Sex Down South if you want to see all about the conference, see the little video there to show you about it and purchase your ticket there. You can see us on Instagram at SDSCon or um, Sex Down South ATL on Facebook and Twitter. And if you just want to be nosy, you can uh, find me on social media at uh, one Marla Stewart. Thank you so much, Marla. Awesome. Thank you. Well, there you have it, Go Hard Chicks. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Marla. Why don't you hit Marla up if you have questions and comments? Hit her up on her social media, or you might even want to attend her Sex Down South conference in the fall. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, or any episodes from the Go Hard Chick podcast, please leave a rating and review. Leaving a rating and review really helps me to continue to bring you all great content. Until next time, Go Hard Chicks, take care.